Let us pray. God of abundant life, your grace is our daily bread. Nourish us by your word and fill us with your spirit so that we may grow in faith and love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. At the end of chapter 22 of Genesis, where we left off last week, immediately after we hear God's promise to build a nation through Abraham, immediately after that promise is almost lost forever on that mountain, we hear that Abraham's brother Nahor has become the father of several sons, one of whom is named Bethuel. In the midst of other unfamiliar names, we are told that Bethuel is the father of Rebekah. While we tend to gloss over these genealogies, these lists, it matters that Rebekah's name shows up here. The others matter too, but it is unusual for a daughter's name to be included among all of these sons, so perhaps it is a signal to pay closer attention to her and to what God is up to in and through her. We've reached a turning point in the story after an achingly long time through many dangers, toils, and snares. Abraham and Rebekah have become parents to Isaac. They've seen him survive infancy and grow into adulthood. It looks like the promise might actually take hold that there might really be a nation in Abraham, begun in Abraham, that could in fact be a blessing to the other nations, it seems as though we can now breathe a collective sigh of relief. However, in order for all to move along as it should, Abraham has one more task to finish. Having buried Sarah in this new land, it is time to find a spouse for Isaac so that the next chapter of the blessing business can begin. Now I invite you to listen as I read from Genesis chapter 24, selected verses, and I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. Listen for the word of God. As the days went by and Abraham became older, the Lord blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham said to the oldest servant of his household, who was in charge of everything he owned, Put your hand under my thigh. By the Lord God of heaven and earth, give me your word that you won't choose a wife for my son from the Canaanite women among whom I live. Go to my land and my family and find a wife for my son Isaac there. The servant took ten of his master's camels and all of his master's best provisions, set out and traveled to Nahor's city in Aram Naharim. He had the camels kneel down outside the city at the well in the evening when women came out to draw water. He said, Lord God of my master Abraham, make something good happen for me today and be loyal to my master Abraham. I will stand here by the spring while the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. When I say to a young woman, hand me your water jar so I can drink, and she says to me, drink, and I will give your camel's water too, may she be the one you have selected for your servant Isaac. 
In this way, I will know that you have been loyal to my master. Even before he finished speaking, Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, was coming out with a water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very beautiful, old enough to be married, and hadn't known a man intimately. She went down to the spring, filled her water jar, and came back up. The servant ran to meet her and said, Give me a little sip of water from your jar. She said, Drink, sir. Then she quickly lowered the water jar with her hands and gave him some water to drink. When she finished giving him a drink, she said, I'll draw some water for your camels, too, till they've had enough to drink. She emptied her water jar quickly into the watering trough and ran to the well again to draw water and drew water for all of the camels. The man stood gazing at her, wondering silently if the Lord had made his trip successful or not. As soon as the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold ring, weighing half a shekel, and two gold bracelets for her arms, weighing ten shekels. He said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She responded, I am the daughter of Bethuel, who is the son of Milcah and Nahor. She continued, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels and a place to spend the night. Man bowed down and Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, God of my master Abraham, who has not given up his loyalty and his faithfulness to my master. The Lord has shown me the way to the household of my master's brother. The young woman ran and told her mother's household everything that had happened. The servant goes on to tell Rebecca's family the full story of Sarah and Abraham's journey and Isaac's birth, as well as his own encounter with Rebecca at the well Rebecca's mother and brother welcome the marriage proposal, but ask that he wait 10 days to leave for the return trip. But the man said to them, don't delay me. The Lord has made my trip successful. See me off so that I can go to my master. They said, summon the young woman and let us ask her opinion. They called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent off their sister, Rebecca, her nurse, Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebecca, saying to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousand. May your children possess their enemy's city. Rebecca and her young women got up, mounted the camels, and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're invited to pause for a moment for prayer and reflection on the text. Amen. So many have been looking forward to this weekend for a while now. Yes, there are those who love the fireworks and the flags. There are those who are grilling hot dogs and enjoying a big slice of apple or blueberry pie or maybe both. But this holiday weekend also marks the streaming of a little show called Hamilton. Perhaps you've heard of it. I've not seen the numbers, and I confess I haven't watched all of it yet, but my guess is that the viewership is off the charts. 
The musical has been a phenomenon, to say the least, since its debut five years ago. However, in May of 2009, when Lin-Manuel Miranda mentioned that he was working on a hip-hop album about Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton, he was met with chuckles and more than a few raised eyebrows. Sure, Hamilton appears on the $10 bill, but most of us only learned the bare basics about him in history class, meaning that most of us probably remember that he was killed by Aaron Burr in a duel. At least in the history classes I took, Hamilton was a bit player, an extra, a supporting cast member to the likes of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. That is, until Miranda read Hamilton's massive biography in a hammock on vacation and brought his story to life. I'm not aware of an epic musical written about Rebecca, but perhaps someone should get to work. So often we are led to believe that the women and many of the men with hard-to-pronounce names whom we meet in Scripture are simply bit players in the blessing business. But thanks to our slow walk through Genesis this summer, I am reminded that that is not the writer's intention. As I mentioned, it is unusual for a woman's name to show up in a genealogy. So we're clued in by Rebecca's name showing up in chapter 22, but there's more. Abraham's servant is clearly anxious about his journey. He wants to do the faithful thing and find the right match for Isaac, the one God intends for him. So he asks for a sign, a very detailed and specific sign. He asks God to lead him to a woman who is gracious and hospitable, which Rebecca turns out to be. The writer also makes a point of letting us know that the servant, servant brings 10 camels with him. Ten thirsty camels, as it turns out. Scholar Robert Alter points out, a camel after a long desert journey drinks many gallons of water. One camel. And there are ten camels here to water. So Rebecca, hurrying down the steps of the well, would have to be a nonstop blur of motion in order to carry up all of that water in a single jug. Yes, Rebecca is a blur of busyness, and she is amazingly strong. The jugs would be immense and incredibly heavy when full of water. And Rebecca catches the servant's attention because she is quite literally an answer to his very specific prayer. That said, she is not simply a passive piece of the puzzle. She is already in blessing business. Like Abraham, her soon-to-be father-in-law, she takes it upon herself to offer excessive hospitality to a stranger. She has a say in what happens to her, and like Abraham, when asked if she wants to go, she says yes. And like Abraham, she receives a blessing that names her as a bearer of a promise, with a pivotal role to play in the business of blessing as well. One of the twists and maybe hooks of Hamilton is that we learn more about the lead character while also learning more about a tailor named Hercules Mulligan and the Schuyler sisters, among others. It's been noted by many that Eliza Schuyler Hamilton is largely to thank for saving Alexander's full story by making sure his work does not disappear after his death. But that backstory 
has been only that, a backstory, a behind-the-scenes detail until recently. But Eliza's tireless, if unglamorous, work of saving Alexander's papers and continuing his legacy is a crucial piece of the American story. Rebecca receives top billing for a moment during this part of the Genesis story, this foundational narrative of God and God's people. She exhibits almost superhuman strength, but the reality is that she extends the blessing by giving water to a stranger and to his ten camels. And she says yes when called to go. These are not extraordinary acts, but they are deeply faithful ones. These are acts of blessing that anyone can do, anyone Because there are no bit parts in the work of God's people, nor are there any bit players in the blessing business. We began this summer with God and creation, recalling how human beings, all of them, all of us, all y'all, are created in God's image. Milka, Rebecca's mama, and Hercules Mulligan may not be household names, but they too are created in God's image. They too play a role in this work of blessing. Now, you may not be a world-renowned chef or a star basketball player. You may not be writing the next great American novel or hip-hop musical from your quarantine office. You may not cure cancer or fly to the moon. You may just barely be holding your head above water. You may be angry, frightened, or weary at the prospect of more months of masks and social distancing and unknowns. You may feel small or helpless or overmatched, and yet this work of blessing is your work too. And it is work you were born to do. It is a role you were born to play. In a few moments, we will gather at this table and share the bread and the cup, and we will hear the words reminding us that Christ gave himself body and blood for us, for all of us, for you and for me. I often invite us to the table with the words, the gifts of God for the people of God. Yes, Rebecca and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac are the people of God, but they are not the only people of God. No matter where we are, no matter what comes our way, you and I are the people of God too. Like Rebecca, we too are bearers of the promise, so we too have blessing work to do right here, right now. In Jesus Christ, we are greeted with food in the wilderness, nourishment for the complicated here and now, to restore our hope and sustain our work of being a blessing to others in his name. Maybe that blessing takes the form of a listening ear, a commitment to learn from someone who thinks, looks, loves, or votes differently than we do. Maybe that blessing work takes the form of a compassionate word, an offer of forgiveness, a genuine thank you, or a heartfelt apology. Maybe it takes the form of finding a voice to speak out against injustice or to confess where we have gone astray. Maybe it looks like lugging jugs of water for a stranger's camel or ten camels and for that stranger. 
Maybe it sounds like saying yes when God calls us to risk something new. Or maybe it looks like a weary servant who asks for help and then stops in the middle of everything and everyone simply to thank God for an answered prayer. Recognizing and admitting that there is no way we could make it through this wilderness on our own. There's a moment at the beginning of Hamilton when King George III welcomes the audience to his show. Everyone chuckles because we know it is not true. It is not his show. Nor is this our show either. It is not Abraham's or Isaac's or Rebecca's show. It is God's show. God is the main character and it is God we are called to worship, adore, and serve. But unlike a fickle earthly monarch, God does not want to be the only one on stage, the only one doing all the work or having all the fun. No, God wants to bless the world through human beings like Alexander and Sarah and Hercules and Eliza and Abraham and Isaac and Rebecca and you and me. God calls us to roll up our sleeves, let down our guard and say yes to this blessing work wherever it may take us, wherever God may lead us. We will not do this blessing work perfectly. The church never has. But it is still our work to do. It is not solely the work of forgotten characters and ancient tales. We have been created for blessing. We are called to do blessing work. God has shaped each and every one of us as bearers of the promise. And God has cast us in the role of blessing others. And it is the role of a lifetime. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.